It's Coalfield and Company. 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 Thank God it's. Thank God it's. All right, here we go. Three o'clock hour. Friday. 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 Sorry, I'm excited. I'm disappointed about the Golden Knights. Okay, I am. That was a gut punch last night. I had a chance to uh, hang out. After our Thursday show, every Thursday. And thanks again to Silver Sevens for signing a long-term deal with Cofield and Company. Very proud to have them as one of our sponsors. 77-cent beers yesterday, and uh, I had a couple. Listener Sean hung out with us at the Silver and Gold Bar, and uh, Sean's a car salesman. So go over and buy a car from Sean. I'll give him a pop. I'll give him a pop. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> don't want to get a long suspension. Um but uh, Sahara, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge. Yeah, he's over there. So, Ooh. listener Sean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You piqued the interest. I told Ooh. you. You're always in the market. You're a big fella. You're always in the market for the 300. I've had it. Look up Sean. Because Sean was actually talking about you. He's like, oh, yeah, I've talked to Adam a bunch of times. Met him at different spots. And, and uh, yeah, Sean went full bore uh, buying myself and Marcus Pfaff, who was helping out yesterday. Uh, he went full bore on the drink. So, uh, he got me $1.54 in Bud Light. So, that was cool. I didn't get to reciprocate. I didn't even get to reciprocate. You're listening. DM, Sean. So we need to reciprocate. Go buy a car, please. Oh, well, yeah, that's that's a fair (laughs) trade. It's time for The Three, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. See what happened right there? I got $1.54 in beers, and I just, you know, I I don't get it. Not allowed to do that. Sure. Yes. Out of big, out of Properly, big. we are in the Finley Toyota studio. Pay back those beers. By well, time. I do love our listeners. And when, you know, when people come out, and especially Sean, you know, has talked to us and spoken to us a bunch of times. So, and we all kind of shared the experience, a rough one, of watching the Golden Knights uh, fall. We were hanging out at our, uh, one of our favorite places in town, Silver Sevens. One last thing on what Steve Kim was just talking about. De La Hoya on 9-11 against Vitor Belfort in an exhibition. I'm actually, I'm interested because I, I want to see, I think Belfort's actually the favorite. Mm-hmm. And I think Dale Ahoy, even at a thousand years old, should be able to destroy him straight up boxing. I think it's going to be embarrassing. Yes, but. But how much has eroded from DLH over the years and what he has done in terms of you know his recreational activities. Right. And he, he's going to be a lot heavier than he normally is. I mean, this is a guy who fought his whole career at 147 pounds. I don't know what the weight is at, but it ain't 147 because Vitor Belfort, yeah. You know, has a pretty vast history of using, but he ain't a natural 147 pounder who got up to, you know, 238, whatever the hell he was, 227 when he fought heavyweight back when he was 19 years old. Are they testing? That's a good point. That's a good point. I I have no idea. But so Steve Kim was saying, uh, Tiafimo Lopez, who had a fight canceled a couple of weeks ago because he tested positive, I almost said steroids, for COVID. His fight was rescheduled to August 14th. Now, what Steve was telling us is that uh, Triller wants that on that 9-11 card here, and that De La Hoya is saying it's going to be at the Al. I mean, it's cool to say that. So The, the Raiders play their Monday night opener. That's what I was going to get at. Would the Raiders clear it? And the other thing is, I mean, could you sell tickets for like 10 bucks a piece and get like 25000 You know, with, with obviously the good seats would be normal boxing prices. It doesn't need to. Does that fight need to be at the Al? No, okay. it doesn't. But I mean, it 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 would. I, I was just thinking, like, do you if you're a legion because it'll. I'm sure Delahoya wants it there. Um, 
and Triller probably wants it there for the prestige of it and everything else. Like, if you're the Raiders and the stadium, do you want it? I don't know. I mean, do you want to make that weekend into some big spectacle of, hey, huge boxing match on Saturday followed by the game on Monday? Or do you want to look at that weekend as, hey, it's, everything's it's all, about the game? It's all us. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not sure what the answer to that is. I don't, I don't know how they'd be thinking about that. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's the that's the big question going into it. Like, do they want to make it into a massive weekend or do they want the weekend to all just be about the Raiders game on Monday? Back to the Golden Knights. Bummer, bummer, bummer. Did you have an issue last night with the officiating? My God, the Montreal fans complained and pissed and moaned about the officiating throughout the series. Did you agree with the calls? I mean, I, I thought they were they're they missed a lot on both sides. Okay, for sure. Um, but I also thought they kind of, you know, made a decision of nothing's nothing's a penalty, except when well, they, when they made the calls. Right. I mean, it, it, and Petrangelo obviously he got affected by it because you know. It got Montreal a goal, and then if you notice, he freaking it looked like he smashed the camera with a stick. But also, and I know, uh, you know, some people were disagreeing about this. I've had some conversations back and forth. Like it was pretty. I thought it was a pretty dumb penalty to just go go elbow up in the in the corner. I don't know. I I, I feel like I I do feel like the missed like the obvious missed calls. And again, I'm saying both sides. Like both. Do we see both teams yesterday get? You know, sticks up in faces yesterday, and and nothing on either on either side. And people were like, "Oh, could you miss that? They're screwing over the knights." I'm like, "The knights did it too." Like you, you're just ignoring that part and saying like they're screwing you. I don't, I don't like I don't think it was one sided. I think it was pretty bad consistently, and they seem to not want to make any calls. Then every once in a while, like if something was right in front of them and obvious, they're like, "Okay." But I, how many trips did we see? Both sides were like, "No, we're good." Nothing to see here. It was weird. We talked a bit about Mark Stone, and he's been a big part of the conversation now that the season is over, and especially what he did in this series. He had a he had a very tough series. He had a, you know, at times very tough playoffs. He came up clutch with a one monster goal last night. I mean, it was really, really quiet. He was asked after the game if he's hurt. He gave a you know quick no. <laughs> Were Stone and Tuck right for this series? I mean, I, I think it's sort of like football. Like at this time of year, nobody's fully healthy, right? Um, I haven't heard of anything specific with Mark Stone. I, I, I think it would make sense. Like he was, he was that invisible for much of the series that you're like something, something was going on, but he also, he's, he's had that before. I think there was a lot of focus defensively on him and, you know, without, without Stevenson on that line for much of the series, uh, they couldn't really figure out who to play in between, uh, Stone and Pacioretty. They mixed it up a little bit in game five just because nothing was happening. Uh, Stevenson comes back. I just don't think he was operating at full strength. Um, it wasn't re- necessarily ready to jump right back in. So uh, I, I don't think you'd look at – I don't think you should look at what happened in this series and determine your offseason based on this series. You should de- determine it based on what happened throughout the season uh, for the most part and and figure out where you need to make changes. And – Listen, they're they're going to be close to the cap again. If if they were to bring back everybody that's under contract for next year, they don't have a whole lot of space. They got Alec Martinez that they need to re-sign, you would think. Um, they, you'd think they'd want to bring him back. He had a great season. He outperformed his contract. If they pay him a little bit more than the $4 million he was making, that's pretty much that's pretty much the cap. Like, you're there. 
So there's there's not a whole lot of flexibility unless you want to move on from some people. And I think that kind of starts with the conversation we had last offseason. You have to have it again. Stick with us. More examination of the roster moving forward. Darren Millard calls the games as part of the, uh, well, he's a pregame and intermission and postgame. He's part of the VGK broadcast team. Darren's going to join us here in less than five minutes. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Up the slot and out for Gallagher. Skates ahead, leading his man down the middle. Dan out to the left, the shot, they score! Montreal wins! Stanley Cup bound in 2021! Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Dan Duva on the call. End of the season. That sucks. Uh, Duva was on yesterday, like right before he was going on the air. And, uh, you know, I was kissing his booty a little bit. And then when he got uh, off the show, I kissed it even more. And I said, that guy's awesome. And that's the perfect example of what I'm talking about with play-by-play. Did that sound like the season ended? No, you knew if you were listening to the radio, yeah, it's devastating, but something massive just happened for the other team. Yeah. But he gave you the story. It wasn't whining and moping and mumbling. So that's, Dan, Dan's that's great. I, I, that's, we have a lot of positives to talk about with this season and this team. Dan is friggin' awesome. He nailed that in, you know, a horrendous moment for the Knights as their season ends. Darren Millard does a hell of a job as well. He's part of the VGK broadcast crew. Darren, how you doing? I thought for sure you were going to say, now let's get into the whining and the moping. Yes, let's yeah. get to this and guy. Bring in me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's where I thought you were going. No, 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 no. I do feel, Darren, that he really hyped up Dan a lot more than he hyped up you. Oh, get out of here. Well, that's okay. Dan deserved it. Dan was in the building last night. Dan does a great job, and, uh, and, and he earned that. That's, like, the significance of that for the league and and in Canada should should not be overlooked. I mean, 1993 was the last time that franchise got to the to the Stanley Cup, and it was almost as I wouldn't say as unexpected as this time, but it was a remarkable run. Then they won ten overtime games, and uh, Patrick Waugh won, and it was the last uh, last series at the, at the Forum in Montreal, and now we've got kind of this this renaissance out of a pandemic and. Carey Price having uh, his best ever playoff, and uh, the the winning goal that ended the series uh, was almost like Montreal season. It just kind of happened out of nowhere, and all of a sudden there's a party going on. I mean, you're stop stop with the Canadian stuff. We we don't care about Canada. You live, <laughs> I know, you live here I know, now. I know, but uh, I I do look at it as a as a bigger picture. Look, it sucks, and I've moped around <laughs> all day uh, because I. And I sent, sent a, a buddy a text about uh, 1.30 this afternoon saying, I, I still think we have a chance. <laughs> because I still think, they, I, I, until the very end, when Montreal was celebrating, I thought Vegas was going to win the series. It just, it, they, they didn't play their best, but they were, it was still so close that I thought as soon as it clicked in the gear, the, the Rob's going to be on and, and Vegas is going to go. The, the total goals in the series, Adam, were 15-13. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like they played poor defensively. Uh, it just became that bugaboo of, of finding the big goal at the right time. And when Martinez got that puck to slide across the line, I thought, okay, let's go. Uh, on the heels of, of Riley Smith, who was exceptional 
uh, last night. Uh, they, they got a couple of pucks to, to trickle through and buy Carey Price. And I, I honestly thought that it was academic that they were going to be able to, to find a way to win. So we want to look ahead a little bit and start turning the yeah. page. But I think you, you can start doing that by just the simple question. Like, did Montreal expose the Golden Knights? I don't think so. Uh, I think that the, that Montreal's found something, and this is a team that had, uh, I believe, one more uh, regular season win than the Ottawa Senators. Uh, so this really was a work in progress, and a team that uh, that acquired Caulfield late uh, by the signing and uh, got Kakanyemi, uh playing his best hockey, and uh, trade deadline acquisitions uh, that solidified their, their fourth line with experience. And, and had a blue line that, uh, that is, is almost a little bit old school, uh, compared to, to what it was. Uh, so it was, uh, it was everything that they came together at the right time. You never would have expected this, Adam, in, huh. in middle of, uh, uh, March when, when things were going south, uh, for this team. Uh, but as far as exposing the gold tonight, I, I don't think anything was necessarily like, you, you didn't find a secret to, to beat uh, Mark Andre Fleury or Robin Leonard or get by that uh, the dynamic uh, blue line. Uh, in, in fact, Alex Petrangelo played his best hockey of the yeah. season uh, during this series. Uh, if there was anything, it was just the the, the power play. If, if if you circle anything, it will be the power play that uh, that will be faulted for not finding the right goal at the right time. And when you're you're 15, 13 in in total goals, and you're Four two and wins and and uh, a couple of overtime wins go the other way. Now Vegas one and one in overtime too. Uh, when you look at the margin of error being that small and you fail to score in the power play, at at the risk of oversimplifying it, uh, guys, I I think it's pretty simple that, that that the power play can can wear this one. That's the voice of Darren Millar joining us. The reason that it's that it's important to to you know figure out you know whether something was exposed by the Canadians or whether it was just one of those things that happens is because you do have decisions to make now, and the Golden Knights could run it back. Like they've got pretty much everyone under contract. They could re-sign Alec Martinez, just run it back with what they have, and say, "Hey, this is a team that got 82 points in the regular season. They were, you know, tied for the best team in the league during the season. This is a team that has a chance to win a cup." Or you could say, "Well, this didn't work. Let's ship a whole bunch of guys out and and kind of blow things up a little bit around here." And I, so that's a decision that has to be made. And you have to determine, you know, are they the team we saw in the regular season or are they we the team that saw, you know, not able to get by Montreal? So where do you start as you approach this offseason? Well, I think you start in goal and you work your way out from there. And did you uh, like what you saw from the goalie tandem and putting uh, that much money into goaltending? And, and Montreal actually puts more into their goaltending. And, and uh, I think they made the playoffs because they did that. And, and Vegas had an exceptional regular season and gave themselves a chance in the postseason. But like for the second straight year with those two goaltenders, that wasn't uh, a flaw in the ointment. Uh, I, I know that people will point to uh, the, the goal in, in Game 3 uh, that, that gave Montreal life. And yeah, that's a turning point in the series. But it wasn't a save that wasn't made. Like it was a, more of a fluke. They didn't lose because of goaltending. So let's, let's go. Uh, I would like to see them run back the goaltending. Okay, let me uh, let me stop let me stop there and, and follow yeah. up on that though. Like, yes, I love the goaltending tandem; it's great. But what we said before the season was, "Hey, this is it's awesome in the regular season to have two goalies. In the playoffs, one of them is going to have to sit on the bench, and yeah. 
wouldn't it have looked better to have maybe a playmaking center instead of one of those goalies? Absolutely, uh, for sure. Uh, but do you do you win or lose based on on that? I think that if the power play clicks, uh, you can it overcomes uh, the the benefit of of having that playmaking center. But I agree with you. Like that's a perfectly good argument. Uh, my choice would be would be to, to bring both goaltenders back, and then you then you get into some tough decisions. Like last summer, they brought in Alex Petrangelo, and they had to make the difficult choice to ship uh, Nate Schmidt uh, to Vancouver. Uh, they had to uh, part ways with Paul Stastny to Winnipeg. Those are difficult decisions that were made because you kept both goaltenders and you brought in Alex Petrangelo. Are there similar? Cases now on the blue line, uh, I think that uh, you would uh, Petrangelo, Theodore uh, McNabb are, are all under contract. Uh, you would love to have Alec Martinez back. Uh, is there a way that uh, that more young players does Coughlin become a big, bigger part of the uh, the the team during the regular season? Does that allow you to uh, to have extra cash to spend to bring Alec Martinez back? Uh, well, that would mean uh, somebody would have to go uh, on the blue line. And uh, and you have to make a, a choice on that regard because you've got veterans like uh, like a McNabb or or a Holden. And up front, you might have one of those choices uh, like the the Stastny or the Schmidt uh, decision if uh, Peyton Krebs or Cody Glass or uh, another player is ready to move into the National Hockey League on a full time basis. Is Peyton Krebs that uh, that dynamic center that you speak of? Uh, that would be a lot to ask. Uh, but I can tell you, his engine is unbelievable, and it would, be, even though it would be a big step, uh, I, I would, uh, I would think that uh, that there would be uh, a look at that. And then, if if those players with the salaries that they would uh, command on the lesser end, that buys you a bit of room uh, on the salary cap. One thing that that they would try to avoid after experiencing it this year is is having to play short as many times as they did, and and that may uh, require. A, a couple of decisions. So I think there's going to be some some tinkering for sure with this roster, and uh, and maybe uh, you, you take a look at one or two names uh, that that might follow the, the Stastny or the, uh, the the Schmidt model. But uh, that would have to be uh, that would be a decision that would take a long hard look. So one of the things that we've seen as a common thread between last year and this year is that they ran into a you know, semifinal opponent who didn't let them get out on the rush at all. Yeah. And, you know, jammed them up a little bit and, you know, made them play a little bit different of a style. And that's where the kind of their demise was. I mean, obviously we can talk about the power play and other things too, but you know, that was what it was. They, they had a, a good team stopping the rush last year, another one this year uh, that kind of shut them down. Is that personnel? Is that system? Uh, how do you address teams being able to, to stop what you want to do in terms of getting out on the rush? Uh, I think it's personnel. I think it's uh, the the team that they ran into. Like Minnesota, they were able to, by and large, uh, get to uh, the net and get through the neutral zone. And Minnesota played uh, played back. Uh, uh, just uh, just an observation on the two teams that they ran into in the semifinals or or the conference final last year. Like surprise teams, Adam. Like Dallas got through and weren't really expected to get through and didn't make the playoffs this year. Montreal gets through. Uh, they were the fourth seed, 18th in, in the overall standings. And when you look at this, at the divisions next year, 
it's going to be really hard for Montreal just to make the playoffs <laughs> when things go back to normal. Uh, and so I, I don't think I think it's risky to build or strategize around what I would consider to be two not one-offs but surprises. Uh, that said, your your observations absolutely on the money that they, that they ran into a, a team in Montreal uh, after Dallas last year. Montreal that made the adjustments uh, after Game Three in particular that uh, that certainly uh, narrowed uh, the the opportunities for the Vegas Golden Knights to get through the, the neutral zone. Now I thought Vegas was much better last night than they were the two previous games, but the reality is they lost. And and that's uh, that will be uh, the coaching staff and the management to uh, reflect on and try to figure out why that 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 happened. I was I was a, a little bit surprised that uh, that their game was taken away in Game Four, uh, coming off the Game Three uh, domination. That that's that was probably the biggest surprise in the series for me. Uh, for me, I I wanted to ask something else, but since you said that, for me, the biggest surprise was. How do you not respond in Game Five? Like, how yeah. do you not come out with a big effort in Game Five? I expected them to, to not you know not go you know eight zero like we saw in the other series, but I just thought that they would get back on home ice and be you know a, 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 a you know just roll over uh, Montreal, and that just didn't happen. It was one of the worst performances we've seen all season from them. Yeah, and uh, and you could go to the first periods in Game One and Two, and and lump those those frames. Okay, into they 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 found their game as game one went on, but uh, weren't able and uh, and uh, you could say that the opening period cost them in game number two. But game five is is one that will be remembered for uh, uh, an opportunity definitely missed. And at times, uh, and and I may be reading this wrong, but they they were such a composed, calm, relaxed team that that avoided uh, and didn't show any panic at any time. And there's almost at times I wanted to see a little bit more emotion, and and, 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 and there's a fine line I I know between panic and emotion, uh, but uh, there was moments where I thought they were almost a victim of their their veteran status and stature and composure that they didn't have that that ability to just go oh, we got to get going here and. I'm sure that that's going on behind the scenes, but uh, it, was, it was an observation of mine, uh, especially after Game 5, that there wasn't a little bit more, let's like, turn this stuff up. Uh, uh, and there's a couple of other words that I wanted to use there. <laughs> wow. Good job. Good discipline. Yeah. All right, Darren. Yeah, thank we you. appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, and keep it in perspective. <laughs> All right, Darren. We'll see you later, buddy. Okay, guys. See you. There he is, Darren Millard, part of the uh, VGK broadcast crew with uh, AT&T. we got some concert tickets coming up. We'll give those away uh, before the end of this hour. Stick around. we got to get an update on the NBA. We're also going to tell you a little more about the uh, Summer League. The date has changed, but that doesn't mean the event is not awesome. It's still a great event, and it's going to be uh, right after the draft, which has been delayed. You'll see all the stars of the draft out here in Las Vegas. Have something to say? Tweet at Steve Goldfield or call 702-364-1100 now. 
everything he's been doing to play us 48 points in the Eastern Conference Finals. He is that guy. And I tried to tell my man Jay Rose, he kept gloating about how good the Bucks were defensively. I said if they played drop coverage, it was going to be a problem for the Bucks. Before you talk, hold on. Let me break it down. Let me show you. Well, I got hacked. Let me show you. <laughs> now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Damn. Brutal. But we're all part of the same family, ESPN family. Well, I mean, when you have such great material, you got to take shots. Who's got the great material? Jay Williams providing the great material with the uh, dopey excuse if I got hacked or... Jalen Rose has great material. I mean, that's Jay Williams provided the great material for Jalen. I'm on. Uh, I'm on Team Jay Williams in this situation against Jalen Rose because I'm also on Team Lavar. So I won't get over that ever. Okay. So Jalen Rose trying to drag America's dad. You don't actually believe that Jay Williams got hacked, do you? No, no. But I also, I also think Jalen Rose is a dish it but can't take it guy. So. For, for, <laughs> It was it's such, it was the worst excuse ever. It's terrible. I know. Who would ever like what he he tweeted out? Oh, Boston Boston hiring a minority coach for the first time in history. Like it's right. the fifth time they have. Right. It was it, factually incorrect. So what he's saying is somebody hacked his phone to log into Twitter and send out just a factually incorrect. It's, a, tweet. it's so dumb. The the lie <laughs> is so much worse than the original crime, and it wasn't a crime. Just delete the comment. And when people come at you, just go, yeah, I was I was going too fast. I didn't think it through. Yeah. That's it. And then if nothing happens from it. But then when you're like, I got hacked, and those hackers, you know, they look to they really look to get at you to try to make look like you don't know NBA history and African American NBA history. That's what they're all about. <laughs> it's Do you realize someone already hacked him and sent out like naked pictures of Jay Williams a couple of years ago. Right. Like that's that, what, that's hacking. That's what hackers that's do. That's getting you, right? <laughs> like not, boy, his takes on, are so uh, ill-informed on the Celtics. Somebody hacked me and said, it's really hot today. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. So weird. So that's good. At least, you know, at least they can uh, bust on each other. I'm sure. not sure that's always the case. But Jay, you noticed that Jay Williams just right into oh. what he was saying. He was not going to address that at all. No, no, no. Right into what no, he's talking about. Steamroll that freaking thing. <laughs> All right, so what just happened in Dallas? Jason Kidd is hired. A uh, gambler guy approves of Jason Kidd. Like, who got Jason Kidd the job? Because we know gambler guy basically took over the organization because Rick Carlisle and Donnie Nelson are like, yeah, we're walking. This is stupid. Uh, and gambler guy was not really a, is not really a big favorite of Luca. Yeah, Vulgaris you're, you're referring to, yeah. who is one of the greatest you know sports betters that we've seen in terms of developing a system for – Especially betting first halves. Uh, I'm completely halves. down with analytics gambling, dude. Getting to run an NBA franchise, but the way it's gone down has been really weird. Well, yeah, the, the relationships haven't really uh, worked out, but it seems like, well, first of all, we saw um, Carlisle uh, go into uh, in, in the, go into his new job in Indiana and kind of throw his support behind Jason Kidd potentially getting the job. But really what it sounds like, is Nico Harrison, who is an executive at Nike, who has great relationships with a lot of different players, including Luca. Uh, he's one of the one of the closest, you know, kind of business adverti- or, uh, business um, partners with Luca. Uh, got him to switch over to Jordan Brand for Nike uh, back a couple of years ago, and it sounds like Mark Cuban is like, "Hey, this is the guy at Nike that you like. We're going to bring him in as you know part of running the organization. He's coming in." 
And he said, well, if I'm coming in, bring in Jason Kidd. He's going to be our coach. And that's a relationship that he has. So uh, Nico Harrison from Nike is the guy pulling a lot of the strings here. And it sounds like it's because Luca wants him and wants him to be around. And Luca will be happy. And the Mavericks are like, whatever makes Luca happy, that's what we're going to do. Will there be outrage about this case of player empowerment? No. No. Hmm. Whites are supposed to have power, Steve. <laughs> Luca. Don't take that out of context. <laughs> That's, <laughs> yes. Ari puts that in an open that plays yeah. every day. Whites are supposed to have power. Yeah, some, some, sometimes guys like Luca, um, potentially being a baby and petulant, aren't judged as hard as other players. That's all we're saying. wonder why. We just said why. I mean, it's like you try to be subtle, and he just keeps going back to it and going to the obvious. Like, let people think a little bit. No. They're not They're not stupid. They get it. Um, interesting note. In, I don't know why our buddy Xavier Pope pointed this out. Like, it was a burn. I don't get it. Uh, what's his cat's name? I don't even. It was one of the writers from the Dallas Morning News wrote, kid comes to Dallas with a 183-190 overall record as head coach, four and a half seasons with Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Since letting kid go, Milwaukee has compiled a regular season record of 183-81. and with Joe Prunty and uh, Budenholzer at the helm, and Xavier's like, "What a burn!" Like, it's, those are just facts. <laughs> like, it's not it's not a press release from the Dallas Morning News. Just kind of telling you what they're getting in Jason Kidd, uh, and I think Jason Kidd is a solid hire. I have no idea what Jason Kidd is walking into. Again, I obviously things came unraveled pretty quickly with gambling guys. So, I guess Jason Kidd's cool with it. Is Jason Kidd Mark Jackson though? How so? Like you leave somewhere and they start succeeding? Well, I don't know. Well, he's not. I'll tell you what. He's not Mark Jackson right now because Mark Jackson can't get hired. <laughs> right. So, um, we, and we've talked about this before. And I don't hate Mark Jackson, but Mark Jackson is a lot about Mark Jackson, and he's super preachy guy. And he, you know, he, he ruffled a lot of feathers. A lot of people didn't like him with the Warriors. And right, the next guy comes in, they're awesome, and. All these people who say that Mark Jackson, you know, got screwed, he deserves a chance. I mean, how many how many openings have there been? Yeah. Right? And there's no gig still. So now I wouldn't say, I guess on the point of teams get better when kid leaves, maybe. But I, I also uh I have a feeling that the kid's gonna do a good job. Let's also say this. Rick Carlisle was not I mean, I know he you know, he left and it's mostly because, hey, it's just time for a change. Yeah. He since the title that they won with Dirk, it's been like 44-win guy and never advanced per, uh, past the first-round guy. So, like, he needed the change, too. Sure. yeah, right. And they so. needed the change. Like, he, you didn't fire one of the legends of the NBA. They didn't fire him. You, you didn't let one of the legends walk. He's a good coach. I don't know if he's a great coach. He's a good coach at a time, though, like, they are caught, and, and they still are going to be in the situation of, like, they're good, but in the West, being good is like what? What are you? Sixth, seventh? Yeah. And you could be really good, and you could maybe well, be, you know, one of the better teams in the East potentially. But in the West, you're just kind of one of the teams. Adam, this can't be the only change, right? Yeah. Yes. They've got they've got to fix the Porzingis problem because it's not a good blend. Well, you've also he wants to be a small forward at seven three, and on that team, you know, that's not what they need. You've all, yeah, but I, I think this is the first step of saying like, all right, as long Luca's going to be happy with this, Luca's good, and now Luca can tell other guys, hey, it's a good spot because maybe he wouldn't. I, I don't know what he would have done, but 
you know, if he's honest with people now, he's like, all right, it's a good spot. It's it's people I like. It's good people around me. Maybe I'm going to want to go out and recruit people. Still giveaway right now. Call her 11364 We're going to talk to Albert Hall from the NBA Summer League. Well, we got Summer League tickets. The event this year is August 8th to the 18th. Season's all kind of pushed back because of the NBA draft and the finals being delayed. Uh, all 30 NBA teams are participating. 75 games held at the Thomas and & Mack and Cox Pavilion. And you always see some of the future stars, some of the biggest and brightest stars of tomorrow. You get to see them today, this summer, right here in Las Vegas. Tickets are on sale at Ticketmaster.com. couple of tickets going out right now to Caller 11, 364-1100-364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Now, back to Cofield & Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Larry won the tickets to the NBA Summer League. Yep, it's back. A little later this year, because, you know, the season was put back, obviously. August 8th to the 18th, Albert Hall runs the league. He's been around this thing forever. He's got all the great stories. He knows where all the bodies are buried. Well, it's not like that. Uh, but there's been some unbelievable players who've come through the doors at the TNM and Cox Pavilion and uh, turned into NBA superstars, great NBA players. What's up, Albert? How you doing, guys? Great to be back. Yeah, we're fired up, man. We're fired up. So uh, tell everyone uh, latest deets on uh, what's going on with the NBA Summer League. And it's, uh, you know, we've all been around for a long time. It's like I almost forget how freaking long this has been going on. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. We uh, we had to take 2020 off and then reboot, but we're excited to be back. It's our season 16, 18 years. Uh, you know, we last year and then back in 011 when we were 2011 when we got locked out, but uh, excited. Going to be a fantastic season. We have 75 games on tap. All 30 teams are back. And this draft class is loaded. Not only this class, but last year's class as well. We'll get a lot of those participants back. But as you touched on, you know, come see the stars of tomorrow. I, I was looking at some photos yesterday of Trey Young and Jason Tatum and Devin Booker and, you know, all these guys as they start their journey on their NBA career. All happens right here in Vegas to Thomas and Mack and Cox starting on August 8th. The league is such a cool opportunity to watch players. I go back to one of the first years, and it just shows how how old I am and how long the league's been around. I remember going out to the Cox Pavilion and getting a look at Chris Paul, fresh out of the draft. And as it turned out, he actually had an ankle injury. But when I watched him, I was like, yeah, I don't know if he's going to make it. <laughs> yeah. No, no. There, there's a trivia question for you right there. What was yeah. it? The New Orleans Hornet. Yep. Right? Yep. I think that was it. Right? So Chris Paul there and... No, I mean, when we started in 04, we had Dwight Howard, you know, who was a, an 18-year-old rookie. And there was, I, I use a joke, I say we had inflatable people in the stands because there was no one there, right? <laughs> so we had to fill it up in Cox. And sure enough, I think it was the Blake Griffin year. You know, we decided to move over to both venues and, and Thomas and Mack. And then we started the, the staggering of the schedule, which has become kind of a staple of Summer League, right? Your one game wraps up, you head over the other and... You know, Cox. If you're not in there, kind of in advance now to kind of get that premium seat, you might get you might get sold out of that one. But it's just an unbelievable atmosphere. You never know who you're going to run into uh, in the concourse out there. Uh, we try. We're going to try to make it as similar as possible with activations and you know a lot to do for all of our fans. But just become really that 31st franchise in Las Vegas, and every year we try to tweak it, make it a little bit better, and the stories just keep getting. Uh, more, more, uh, you know, pronounced and really kind of unbelievable each and every year. 
Yeah, we could just sit here and do. Uh, I remember when I saw this guy. Uh, every, every, the whole thing. Yeah. I, uh, my my guy is uh, is Giannis, who I saw him like three steps. He went like three steps, like three quarters court, and I was like, "What is this? Like this guy's going to change all, the, all these arms and legs." This <laughs> yes. guy was just so young, but uh, yeah. it was like, "Wow, there's something special here." No doubt yeah. about it. I mean, I would go back. I use this story often, but the Jeremy Lin night. You know, when everybody was there to see John Wall as the number one pick, and they were like, who the heck is this Jeremy Lin guy? So, yeah, I mean, and that's the beauty. You want to say that you were there. You want to say you were there early. Um, you know, there, there's different players that t- step up and take center stage each and every year. For sure. Uh, you mentioned, you know, with the, the year that you guys switched over and started doing both gyms and um, how this has grown so much. Was there a moment that sticks out in your mind where it went from, it used to be a really cool event, and then it went to cool event that was a big event, and then it went to just you can't even like it's insane how many people are there and how crazy it is. Like, do you remember the moment? Do you think that it went from like awesome to just this spectacular thing? You, you know, there was a, a time when uh, we had Jabari Parker and Andrew Wiggins hmm. as the one and two, and we had to play that game in Cox. Um, just for TV purposes, and at the time, NBA TV is like, hey, we want it to look full, blah blah blah. We, I remember sneaking Tim Legler in the back freight elevator just to get in because there was no room. And we're like, I think we've kind of arrived. And, yeah. uh, you know, that was one moment. There's been uh, several throughout the years. And, and just each, each night you're there, you're like, okay, who's going to take center stage? And, you know, once we did a few of those bigger games, we knew that, that Thomas and Mac and then the television audience when ESPN came in, I mean, it just made it a whole different thing. Get the tickets right now. They're on sale. They went on a sale a couple days ago. Ticketmaster.com, Albert Hall, NBA Summer League, August 8th to the 18th. Uh, we'll wrap on this. Actually, and UNLV mentioning... tickets.com or NBA events.com. Not there. Ticketmaster, but there you go. My bad. Make... Uh, That's all right. Let's, uh, let's mention uh, the theme of this year. I think it's going to be about the point guards uh, because there's so many good point guards in this draft. Uh, starting with Cade Cunningham, who's a giant guy at 6'8. You're going to have little guys. You're going to have guys in between like Jalen Suggs. Yeah, no question. I mean, this is a this is a loaded draft, and there's potentially five, six, seven game changers in this draft right away. You mentioned Suggs. You mentioned Cunningham. I mean, Evan Mobley is a prototypical big now. You're seeing what these guys are doing, like the Giannis's of the world and the KDs. I mean, he has that kind of skill. And if you have not seen Jalen Green, for a lot of our fans have not, this kid is electric. Uh, you know, he had he doesn't have the shine that some of the others do because he went the G League route, but Trust me, I, I've seen this kid at a young age. If he, he would have easily went to Duke or somebody else, we'd be talking about another Zion situation. So each night we're going to bring an electric crowd when these guys play. And then you talk about a guy like Scotty Barnes, who's like, you know, a, a rejuvenated, maybe Scotty Pippen type of six nine, really guard who can do a little bit of everything, play all five positions. You know, the Butler kid from, from Baylor, people forget how good the Baylor team was this year. It just went out and whacked on Zaga. So, I mean, and Corey Kisper, you know, a, a remake of Joe Harris. You know, there's just a lot of good players in this draft. And obviously the schedule will come out after the draft. We try to try to tee it up and give you, a, you know, the marquee matchups each and every night. Albert, we appreciate it. We're looking forward to seeing you in a couple of months, okay? Fantastic, guys. I appreciate being on again. 702-739-FANS, UNLVTickets.com. Thanks, Albert. All right, guys. There you go. Uh, you mentioned Giannis. Yep. And, you know, I'm not going to say he saved basketball in the city of Milwaukee because Milwaukee has a really rich history. The Bucks have actually been a pretty good franchise at 
different times, and they have a good fan base. They've set up a hell of an atmosphere there. They've got a they've got an outdoor viewing area where you see on the road games, people are going crazy. Home games, they're going crazy. Um, you know, it's funny. Two weeks ago, we, uh, Xavier Pope, I got uh, our guy out of Chicago, was like, "Yeah, Milwaukee, nah, don't love it." Uh, heard Doug Gottlieb talking about Milwaukee because he's actually got roots there. Um, you know, Doug was on uh, Fox Sports National on our sister station, Fox Sports Las Vegas, and he was he was saying Milwaukee's a freaking really cool place during the summer. Uh, now I see what was first take trying to do like a Barkley thing, banging on Milwaukee. First of all, it's my thing. <laughs> banging on just random Midwestern cities. I think they're stealing it from me. Well, Barkley did it forever with sure. San Antonio and the women of San Antonio. He can't get, do it now because he's crying about getting canceled. Like, you're not canceled, Charles. Yeah. Uh, it just isn't that funny after you do it like seven years in a row about San Antonio's women. Let's just say Milwaukee does suck. It's, really? It's, it's awful. And, and maybe summer, maybe. I guess you can make that case. I, I, I'll take your word for it. Uh, it does suck. But yeah, first take was all over them. So, Stephen A., I'm worried about these, des- these destinations that you, po- you possibly have to go to for the NBA Finals. I mean, <laughs> you really want to be in Mil- Milwaukee? Is that where you want to be? Last year it was Miami. Hell no. We got the point. So now, now they're all going to scream at each other. Um, yeah, I think I think people have to be careful when they start judging other cities, unless you've really been there. You have been there. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Summer or winter? Winter. You went for the Packers, right? Yeah. It sucks. I don't get it. How it's cold? Okay. Well, it was cold. <laughs> cold. Like I said, they have sausage and beer. What like what, what could go wrong? Sure. Uh, I I went to uh, the old site of Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment. Also, that was fun. Well, look at how happy you are now. So that's the calling card. Maybe that should have been on first take. Imagine if someone broke an ankle. I mean, they do have the Jeffrey Dahmer stuff. Can I can I also point out? I so, made I made Miles Simmons show regular go with us. Go with me. Yeah. And we got out of the car and we were like, dude, this is creepy. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah was, oh, <laughs> that's when it was creepy. Yeah, for sure. Not the journey over or the suggestion that we go see Jeffrey Dahmer's house. No, once we got out and started walking around the neighborhood, like, yeah, this is creepy. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.